Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. All right, so let me ask you guys a question. How many of you have heard the phrase being said, there's an art to it, right? There's an art to it, that phrase. Uh, Typically, we use that phrase or people use that phrase towards us when it relates to uh, a task that we don't have any idea how to do it and someone is explaining it to us. Or when we look at a particular thing that looks simple, but when we start using them or doing it, it, we can tell that it's more complex. And then we come to the conclusion, hey, there is an art to it. For example, changing tires. How many of you guys know how to change your tires, your car tires, right? You get a flat tires. Nice, Dana. You get, you know, change it. (laughs) Now. You, some people will say, when my dad was teaching me how to change the tire, he taught me that there was an art to it. He had a very specific way of doing it. He said that when you're taking the bolts, you don't go like in a row. You take one here, one here, one here, one here. Does anyone else do it like that? All right, there's the art. And then to put it back, you go back, 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 or, you know, you go like this. You go on, on, a, on a cross. That's the art to it. He said, if you don't do it that way, you will be, you know, you will be, you're putting yourself in a difficult position, right? It's danger, danger zone. How about um, with Ikea, Ikea furniture? How many of you guys have built something or, or assembled an Ikea furniture? Okay, some of you know the pain of Ikea furniture. Uh, I don't know when was the last time that Pastor Mike shared with you guys about heaven or hell. I am confident that part of the torment of hell is that you have to assemble Ikea furniture for eternity. That's part of it. That's Bible. Book uh, book of Paul, chapter 5, verse 2. You can find it there. But anyways, when it comes to the book of, uh, not the book, when it comes to uh, an Ikea furniture and you're looking at it, right, if you have ever walked through the store of Ikea and you see like a table or you see something that you're going to buy, when you look at it, it may seem very simple. And to your, in your mind, you may think, hey, this is easy for me to assemble. But then when you get the box and you get home and you open it and you see that there is like 700 steps to just build a tiny table, you get frustrated. And you come to realize that there is an art to it. When it comes to gift... When it comes to service, and what I mean by service is the usage of our gift. When we, when, as I, throughout the message, I use the word service, what I'm meaning by this is using the, the use of our gift. When it comes to service, there is an art to it. There is something that we need to recognize that there is a particular way to serve others. And, uh, and you will see that many of us or many people that struggle with service, what, with, that struggle with using their gift, it be, it's because they're missing the art of service. And what is that art? Love. Love, right? So when you, you know, if you consider gift, gift are a result of uh, the grace of God. 
If you are a Christian, if you have placed your trust in the gospel message, in the message of Jesus coming to earth, dying on the cross for our sins, and three days later, resurrecting from the dead, if you have put your trust in that message, the Bible tells us that at the moment of conversion, the moment that you believe the Holy Spirit empowers us with gift, God gifted us in the moment of conversion. It is a result of the grace of God. Now, service... That act of serving one another is a result of love. And we'll see today in the passage that Paul, uh, Paul, Peter, if I kept going back, Paul, it's Peter. I'm, you know, we're in the book of Peter. But Peter, as he's writing to these, uh, his readers, he's emphasizing to them the importance of love and how love is essential for us to be able to use our gift. And so as we discuss today this passage, you, I want us to see that. The first thing we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Verse, first thing is this. Paul, uh, Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Above all, above everything else that I have said in the previous le- verses or chapters, above everything else, keep loving one another. Keep loving one another earnestly. The very first thing we're going to see here is that loving one another is a never-ending commitment. It's a never-ending responsibility. That all of us as Christians, we have a responsibility to love one another. And that that's something that's never going to come to an end. In the New Testament alone, there are over a 100 verses or times in the, in the New Testament where there, we hear a command or we hear uh, someone, a writer, an apostle, a disciple, even Jesus referring, using the phrase one another. Typically relates to how we are to treat each other. The phrase love one another is used 16 times in the New Testament. You see the importance of loving one another. Here's why I bring this up. Here's why Peter is writing this. If you do not love one another, you're not going to be able to use your gift. If you don't appreciate one another, you're not going to be able to recognize the importance of serving one another. You know, the Bible talks about how we can love because we were loved first. The reality that because of God sending his son on the cross, to die on the cross, through that display of the journey of the cross and what Jesus did for us, we see the love of God toward us. And that love that he and, and exemplified through Jesus is a love that now we can see and, we are, and allows us then to love one another. There is an importance in loving one another. You see, when it comes to the gift of God, when it comes to the gift of God, you have to understand that the ultimate goal of gift is for the glory of God. The ultimate goal of gifts is for the glory of God. But the immediate purpose of gift is to serve one another. Ultimately, we have gift so that we can use it as a way to glorify God. God will be glorified by our giftedness. However, or not however, but right now, immediately, our gift, the purpose of our gift is to serve one another. That is why Peter is saying to them, hey, above everything else, keep loving one another earnestly, without ceasing. 
without excuse. You love on people. You have to do it. Love covers a multitude of sin. In other words, you love is something that doesn't hold uh, grudges, doesn't hold, uh, like it's now based on feelings. Love is a choice that you're choosing to do no matter what. Now, the thing about love, and this is what's difficult about love, is that when love is unknown, when we don't know if someone loves it, when love is unknown to us, it's scary. It keeps us from pursuing it. We're hesitant. We're not willing to take the risk. Now, when love is known, the danger with it is that we can become accustomed to it. For example, when you are, when you like a girl, when you like a guy, and you have those emotions towards them, when you don't know how they feel about you, how, what is your typical response? You're afraid. You're hesitant. You don't know if you need to take the risk of going there. You think that if you approach them and say that you like them, they may reject you. When you know someone, when you love somebody, you will remember that if you have been in love, that at first everything is like honeymoon stage. For example, I think about my relationship with my wife. When we first started dating, uh, I, will, I, will, I was okay with her sharing all my food. We'll go out, we'll go to McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, whatever we went for, you know, we were, we were college students. Wherever we went, I will be okay with her eating from my food. I, it was like romantic. Like we would do one of those where like we would go to our hands like this, right? But then what happens? The more we know each other, the more we fell in love with each other, or, the, or I mean, the more we have known each other, that love is not necessarily to that extent. If I see her taking a fry of my food, I growl. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, put it back. Or like, you get mad because why were, if you were hungry, why didn't you get some? Some of you are dating and you know what, this, and you know what I mean. Or you, be, you have dated, so you know what I mean. See, that's the problem with love or that's the danger of love. That when love is unknown, you're afraid it keeps you from doing something. Now, when love is known, you're has, you, you can get accustomed to that. We have a responsibility of a never-ending, we have a never-ending responsibility to love one another. Whether we're, the love is unknown or whether the, no, the love is known, we are to love each other without ceasing. Above all, love one another. If we do not love one another, then we're not going to care about using our gift for one another. If the immediate purpose of gift is to serve each other, if we don't love each other, we're, we're not going to be using our gift. That is why Jesus, when the disciples went to him and, and asked him, Jesus, how do you summarize, the, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus' response to them was, hey, the greatest commandment, this is what the greatest commandment is. He said, to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, in this two, this two, you can, uh, the whole law is summarized. Love one another. It is essential for you and I to understand that if we are to really consider using our gift, if we really want to feel the responsibility of using our gift, we first have to understand that the art of, of gift or service is love. Love for one another. Next verse, verse 9. He says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Show hospitality with one another without grumbling. One thing to note, to notice, if you have been around the, the whole series, as Mike has been doing this series, you probably have heard, heard it being said that hospitality is a gift. And it is true. Hospitality is a gift, an area of giftedness. But I think it's important to note here that when Peter is writing to, the, to his um, recipients, He's not referencing hospitality as a gift right here. He's using the idea of hospitality as part of the expectation of every single believer. As believers, whether you're gifted in hospitality or not, it is expected of you to show hospitality. But what is hospitality? Hospitality, in essence... What it means is to make people feel like they are home, at home. In other words, is to make people feel that they belong. As Christians, one practical way to, for you to show that you love for one another is to be hospitable to them. Back then, when Peter is writing, you have to keep in mind that there are the church or the believers were being persecuted. And because they were being persecuted, many of them were forced to leave their homes to go to the nearby cities. And the believers of the nearby cities, when they saw those strangers that called themselves to be Christians, they went ahead and they welcomed their homes for them. And the typical norm or the typical uh, time that they will spend at their home was at about two days, three days. So if you're the host, you're having strangers come into your house for two days, three days, where you're caring for all of their needs. Naturally, what was happening is that as, as a host, people were starting to complain. They were starting to uh, get, you know, not enjoying it so much. The, the, the guests started to feel more like a burden to the host. So that is why here you see Peter writing to them and he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality in essence is to make people feel like they belong, like they are at home. And that is not just for those that have the giftedness of hospitality. That is a calling, an expectation of every single believer. Imagine what this church will be if everyone here was committed to showing everyone that they belong here. Imagine what Thrive will be if every one of you were committed that whoever walked through those doors, it is your devotion, your commitment to make sure that they feel like they belong. How different the ministry of Thrive will be. How much will God be able to do here in this ministry if every one of us were committed to hospitality? Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer. I mean, you don't have to answer aloud. Not to guilt you into this, but to make you think. Do you know the name of everybody in this room? Okay, I get it. There's a lot of people that normally there's about 40, 50. It can be hard to know every one of their name. I get it. Have you had a conversation with anyone, everyone in this room? Have you gone out of your way to listen or to even introduce or to even say what everyone in this room is about? Have you, make it on, have you taken up on your purpose to show hospitality, to show everyone in this room that they belong in here? 
Have you done that? You see, as believers, it is the expectation of all of us, whether you have the gift of hospitality or not, to make sure that everyone that comes through those doors, that everyone that you come in contact, that you show them that they belong here. That is the most practical way for you to show to them that you love them. That is a very practical way to love one another. You can love one another well by hospitality. All right, next verse. Verse 10. Paul says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The next thing you'll see is that each gift, each gift is accounted for. By God. Peter, as he's writing, he's emphasizing, he says something that I don't want any one of us to miss it. You probably heard it throughout the series, but you will be reminded of it tonight. He says, as each has received a gift, as each has received a gift, a gift. If you look at your chair, you probably saw that there were some nice uh, B money. Uh, you know, I, yeah, that's how actual be money. If you don't know who that guy in the picture is, he's the senior pastor of the church. He didn't, he didn't decide to do this. I did it as a way of not mockery, but let's call it honoring. Yeah, that, yeah, honoring. Butch, if you're listening, I'm honoring you. Anyways, uh, we use this for our middle school event. But when you came in here and you find a place to see, you saw that you had one of these in your table. In your table, in your chair. If you, have, if you did not have one of these, then there is a, there's a, pro, a point on that. But most of you, if you find in your seat, and you can see some of them are still in, the empty, uh, in chairs, you were given this. All of you were given one. If you're a Christian, all of you are given a gift. Now, what you do with that gift doesn't change the fact that you were given one. This piece of paper that you have in your chair, you can grab them, put them on your pocket, and never bring it out. You can grab it and throw it away. You can grab it and ignore it. Some of you probably didn't even know that those were in your chair. Don't matter what your response or your interaction is with this piece of paper, you were given one. If you're here and, you're got, and you find your share and there was not and nothing in your share, then, you know, the same is true when it comes to giftedness. Like we said, giftedness is a result of grace. If you have not believed in the gospel of Jesus, then you do not have a gift. You may have talents. You, there may be things that you're good at. But gift, you do not have unless you have a relationship with Jesus. Now, here's the thing about giftedness. You can do with this whatever you want. You can ignore it, you can store it, you can throw it away, you can waste it, or you can multiply. You can do whatever you want. At the end of the day, the end of your life, I should say, you're going to have to stand before a God, a God that gave you this, and is going to ask you, what have you done with my giftedness, with the gift that I have given you? Peter, as he's writing, he used the word steward. A steward back then was an individual. Uh, he could have been a slave or he could have been just a worker. And, the, and his responsibility was to work for a wealthy individual. 
he, as he worked for a wealthy individual, his job was to manage all of their wealth. At the end of their work, of their chef, or at the end of their season of working, he had to come in front of the owner of the wealthy individual, and he had to give account as to what he did with every single one of his possessions. Same is true of our giftedness. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you care or not, whether you're intentional about using it or not, or whether you could just, like I said, not even be about it, you're going to have to stand before a God and say to him what you did with the gift that he's given you. And that's scary. I think about myself. I think about the message of the gospel. I mean, we're celebrating Easter and we're talking about, and you hear talk about the cross, the journey of the cross. Everything that Jesus endured for my mistakes, for my struggles, for the things that I knowingly did wrong. And that even though I have believed in that message, I continue to do wrong things. This message of grace, right? I believe in this message. And then to think that what he has given me, is giftedness in a sense to return it back to him. That the only thing I need to do is to serve him with my life and to think that one day I'm going to have to stand before him and say to him how much I have wasted my giftedness or how faithful I have been with my giftedness. Same is true of all of you. Like we have said in the past, and we say it again, there is not an excuse as to why an individual or a Christian does not use their giftedness. It doesn't matter that you're, you're a bit, you have a busy schedule. It doesn't matter that you have seven jobs. It doesn't matter that you're in a relationship. It doesn't matter that you don't know what you have. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter anything. There's never going to be an excuse as to why you're not using the gift that God has given you. If you are committed to love one another, if you are earnestly looking for opportunity to love one another, if you understand that the art of service is love, then you know that no matter what happens, you're going to use your giftedness to serve one another. That is why it is so important for us to recognize that all of us have been given gift, and all of us that are Christians are going to have to give account for how we use our gift. There's a list here, actually, I I meant to put it up. A list of all the gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. If you're a Christian, your gift is there. If you look among each other, you see that some of you, some of of you have more money than the other. Some of you have uh, a chunk. You probably wish it was real money. I wish it was real money. Uh, Some of you have none. Some of you have very low. Same is true of giftedness. You will see that some of us may have more gift than the others or someone may have less than the other. It doesn't make you more or less whether you have the more or less gift. The reality is if you're a Christian, your gift is right, sorry, your giftedness is right there. It is your responsibility to know what your gift is. Knowing that at the end of your time, you're going to stand before our God and give account for how you're using your gift. We are getting judged on how we use our gift to love one another. 
Next verse. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in, God, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, uh, Jonathan, if you can go to that list again. Paul, what, Paul, uh, Paul, what Peter is doing here is that he's dividing those, that whole list of giftedness into two categories. There are those gifts that fall under the category of speaking that requires for an individual to speak. So you have, for example, the one of evangelism. You may have the one of exhortation, the one of preaching, the one of speaking in tongues. You may, you, those gifts will fall in the category of speaking. But then you have the category of service, those that require us to do stuff like administration, giving, help, hospitality, leadership, mercy, and so on. So he's dividing them in two categories, and then he's saying to them, whether you, if you're speaking, speak as oracle of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. What, what, Paul, what Peter is doing here is that he is emphasizing to his readers the reality that the giftedness that you have, the reason why you're able to do it, is because God is going to supply you with everything that you need to make it happen. Everything that you have, or everything that you need in order to use the giftedness that God has given you, he's going to provide it to you. Why is this something that should encourage you? Why is this important for us to know? There's for two reasons. First of all, it puts the attention on God. We, like we said earlier, ultimately the purpose of our giftedness is to bring glory to God. The fact is that this gift that you and I have on our own, we're not going to use it. Because on our own, we're not committed to love one another. But thanks be to God that through his son Jesus, we are now are able to love one another. And not only we are able to love one another, through the Holy Spirit, you and I have unlimited assets to be able to use the gift that he has given us to his glory, for his glory. And we have to recognize that because when we use our giftedness, we're not using it for our own glory. We're not using it to make ourselves feel better. We're using it as a service to God that we know that it is our responsibility to love one another. And what a better way than to love one another than through using the gift that God has given it to us. The second thing, too, and this is what I think personally what encourages me the most, it puts the, our reliance on God. For me, as I get up here and I teach, I, I, I mean, I was, I, I was telling this to um, uh, Mike not too long ago. I was talking to him how I used to think back, the idea of me standing in front of people will make me shake. I will literally just start sweating like nonstop. Like uh, I, my heart will shake. I, will, I remember one time I stood in front of a, a class when I was uh, learning English, and it was a test. I was taking an oral test. And the way that I, it worked is that I had to uh, read a story and then kind of like explain the story without notes. I remember that I stood before the class, and I just blank. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. 
And not to think that for a living what I do is to stand in front of people and to teach the word of God. There is no other explanation than the, that the, 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 than the fact that I can do this is because God supplies everything that I need to be able to do it. So what does that do to me? It enables me, it gives me the confidence and helps me to go out and do what God, and use what God has given me for his purpose. I don't sit back and say to myself, someone else is going to do it, or, hey, I know you have supplied me, I'll just sit and wait. I know that God has given me everything that I need to use, to use the giftedness that he has given me. And because of that, I can go out boldly and put myself in a position where I am using his giftedness, knowing that I'm relying on him and not on myself. Same is true of you and same is true of your giftedness. If you recognize that God will supply all of your need, then that should encourage you to go out there and use the giftedness that God has given you, knowing that everything that you do, everything that, every time you use your gift is a testimony of the glory of God. It's a testimony to yourself and it's a testimony to those that you're serving, that you're loving, that there is a God in heaven that is powerful and loving and that cares for them. That's why use and gift are so important. As we're wrapping this up, Ethan's gonna come up. I want you to think about your giftedness. I want you to think, what are your areas of giftedness? You should know. You know, it's not the responsibility of Mike. It's not my responsibility. It's not our responsibility of each other to tell you what your gifts are. We can, be a, we can be an aid as a reference for you. We can come alongside you and say, hey, have you considered this? But it's not our responsibility or it's no one's responsibility besides your own to figure out what are your areas of giftedness. Jonathan, if you can put that, that, that slide right there once again. Your giftedness is on that list. What are you doing with your gift? Are you committed to love one another? Do you recognize the calling, the commandment from God to love one another? Because if you do, then you know that one practical way of loving one another is not only through hospitality, but it's through using the gift that God has given you. Because if you are a Christian, you have a gift. Whether you know it or not, you have a gift. And whether you want it or not, you're going to have to stand before him and give account with how you're using it. We're blessed to be a part of a church our size. I don't know if you attend here full time or, or maybe you, you come here regularly and you attend a different church. Same is true of your church or whether it's true here. God has placed you in a church. Or at least I hope you're part of a body. And if you are part of a body, there is a specific purpose for your, for your giftedness. And with, whether it's in this church or another church, it is your responsibility to be using your giftedness. Those gifts that you see there, it is your responsibility to be using it. As believers, we cannot stand still and think that someone else is going to come alongside and, and step it up and, and, and fulfill or feel a need where we can do that ourselves. I give you a practical example. Here at Maranatha, we have an urgent need for help in the children ministry. 
There is no excuse. There's no explanation. If you are, and I'm not trying to guilt you into this, but the reality is that if you are a Christian and God has given you a gift to use it as a service to others, and you hear that in our church there is a need for service in the children's ministry, then why have you not volunteered yourself? Maybe it's because you're already serving in a different capacity, and if you are, that's awesome. But if you are not serving in any capacity and you hear there is a need, then what is keeping you from doing that? Same is true of you if you go to another church. How are you involved in the church that you're serving? You have to think because those gifts that you have there are not just for you to keep. This thing that God has given you, they're not for you to keep. They're for you to use it to multiply it for the glory of God. So that at the end of the day or at the end of your life, when you stand before him, you can say how faithfully you use the gift that he's given you. Because if you cannot say that, it's going to be a very sad conversation. I hope and pray that not only you know your gift, that not only you take the diligence to recognize what are your areas of giftedness, but that you also are invested in serving one another in loving one another through the gift that God has given you. Don't stay ill. Don't save it for later. Make a decision now. Remember what we say. The immediate purpose of the gift is to bless one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that we can come to church and we can open your word freely. Father, I don't know where everyone is at with their giftedness. I don't know if they even know what are the areas of giftedness. And, Lord, I don't even know if they are serving in some capacity, if they're using that giftedness for your glory, Lord. But I pray that today and every day of their life, they figure out ways to use the gift that you have given them, Lord. That we will not be ill, that we will not be lazy, that we will not be hesitant, Lord, in using the things that you have given us. That because of your grace and how you display your love for us on the cross through your son Jesus, that we will be committed to do whatever we can to live a life that is worthy of that message. That we will figure out how we can serve you, God, knowingly that through our service, you will be glorified. Father, I pray that you will give us the boldness, the discernment, and the wisdom that we need to be able to do what is right. Lord, that we will never forget that you will supply us with everything that we need to effectively use the gift that you have, have given us. Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen. I don't know how long Mike has been doing the series, for about five weeks, right? Maybe about five weeks. If you're not serving in any ways, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. It's about time you, you find something to do. You know, it is your responsibility as believers to use the gift that God has given you. I'm not trying to guilt, guilt you into it. I'm trying to, as a, as a pastor, we wouldn't be doing our job if we wouldn't tell you what is true from the scripture. It is time for you to use what God has given you. Find a way where you can be used by God through your, through your giftedness. Thank you.